Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 24-year breast cancer survivor, certified life coach, and the author of Thriving Beyond Cancer. And my name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, nearly 22-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And Sharon and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. And Sharon, it's good to have you back. She's been in Hawaii, the little bugger. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck I over there in it. volcano land, but, you know. <laughs> I was. And I, and I got to spend a week um, with a girlfriend. Unfortunately, she just lost her husband. And, and so it was a little bit, you know, hard for her um, just even to be away from home because uh, that was the first time she'd been away from home since since he passed and it was it was funny because um uh i know our our uh guest is going to be talking a lot about mindset and you know that kind of thing and and the funny thing is i happen to be a pretty positive person by nature and so i definitely believe in a in a positive mindset and it played out so funny with my friend sue because uh, I have a tendency just to expect a parking place right in the front, wherever we are. It seems and to work every time, too. I know <laughs> it is. It's really funny. And so um, uh, whether I'm going to Costco here locally or I'm I'm uh, somewhere I have never been, and it just, it just happens. And it's so funny how um, that is for me, and I feel very uh, appreciative of that, but it's funny. I was trying to figure out, okay, so why is it so different from my friend Sue? And it's, I'm sure it's because I do have this positive mindset that I just expect to find a parking place. <laughs> and I expect to be open to new adventures. And I expect good things to happen, even in bad things. You know what I mean? There's always the silver lining. I can usually find it. So, Sharon, I have to say, I I know this about you. And when I saw that the weather over in in Hawaii, where you were, wasn't that great, you know, just because it's rainy on some of the islands. And I thought, you know what, she's she's positive. She can do nothing about the weather. She'll find a way to make it all work anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The only thing I was um, a little disappointed, I have to admit, is I did not get a Hawaii sunset because of the fog, because we were on the big island. So, you know, it was pretty cloudy most of the time. And then if it wasn't cloudy, it had this haze, you know, from the fog. And yeah, so that was a little disappointing. But you know what? I got some great pictures. I had some great adventures with and without my friend. So uh, (laughs) she tends to be more of a homebody than I am. I'm like, I'm on vacation. I'm out of here. Let's go find something, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I know you're using the word vogue for people. It's not a, it's not that she has a speech impediment. It's fog <laughs> and volcano stuff all, all mixed together. All so together. so exactly. it's a new word apparently that we're all that we're all learning. So yep. Well, Thank you for that, because positivity is so important, not only just in everyday life, but it's also important in our healing. And and today we're going to talk about the benefits of integrative mind and body medicine. 
And, you know, it's interesting. We've been covering integrative medicine quite a lot lately um, just because there's so many different perspectives and there's so much to learn about it. And we have a very special guest today. His name is, I had him call in early so I could learn how to say his name right. It's Avinoam Lerner, and it's, it's a really beautiful name. And he's going to talk with us about the role of the subconscious mind in our overall healing. Welcome, Avinoam. Did I say it right? You said it perfectly, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the effort. Uh, it, it just well, thank you. Makes me feel much more welcome. So thank you. Good. So why don't you and, tell and our audience? Me on the show, I, I, you know, I've discovered you, ladies, uh, and your show uh, recently, and um, I love what you do. I mean, it's, it's so important to keep thank everyone um, involved, inspired, uh, informed, and uh, and you do all of that. So. Thank you. Well, for thank me. you. And it's, it's be, mostly because we have great guests on our show. So thank you for being one of them. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you, um, you know, where you came from. And I, I learned a little bit about you. So if you don't tell me enough, I'm going to I'm going to pinpoint it. So, <laughs> so just tell, tell our sure. audience about you. Sure. So um, my name is Avinoam Lelnel, as you said, and I'm a cancer recovery specialist. I'm a TEDx speaker and the author of the New Cancer Paradigm. It's um, a book I'm very proud about. It's uh, the New Cancer Paradigm mobilizing the mind to heal the body. And I live and work in Boston, Massachusetts for the past uh, 15 years, since 2003. And those listeners who can uh, kind of pick up on my accent will know I'm not originally from here. I'm originally (laughs) from Israel, Um, but I have been living and working in the U.S. since 2003. Um, In the cancer uh, community, mainly for the past, uh, I would say almost, yeah, the 15 years that I've I've been in practice, a little longer, but certainly since I came to the U.S., focusing on cancer wellness and cancer recovery. And I work with patients of all stages, uh, mainly to help them cope with and, and overcome the many challenges embedded in the cancer journey. And some of these challenges are physical as immune enhancement and adverse side effects, fatigue, and so forth. And others are more emotional, even existential. And I think what makes this kind of work unique is that um, my approach highlights uh, the multidimensional nature of, of, of cancer, of illness, and the need to treat illness not only on the level of the physical body, but also on the level of the mind. Yeah. Well, that is so true. So how do how do patients come to you? I mean, they, you, what you're doing is very interesting. Do they come to you like while they're seeing their their other doctor, their oncologist or whoever or are they finding you somehow separately on on their own? What what can how how does that part work? Sure. Well, ideally they will find me before they get uh before they experience any kind of health crisis. Uh, When people are healthy, this is the best uh, time and opportunity to do this kind of work because there is a preventative element to it. But um, most uh, people find me while they're in treatment. Um, For a certain period of time, I worked here at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute uh, here in Boston, one of the most Mm -hmm. uh, advanced institutes for cancer research and um, cancer recovery, and um, uh, it, it's mostly word of mouth, um, but mostly during 
treatment. Unfortunately, the reality is that oncologists and uh, medical providers, this is not part of their training. It's kind of, uh, this kind of approach is outside of the box, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, even more unfortunate is the reality that doctors nowadays cannot really uh, refer to someone outside of their network because there are consequences to their license, liability, financial, and, and so mm-hmm. forth. So unfortunately, people have to do the research on their own. But they do, and they do find me because um, many, many people want to leave no stone turn and they want to take part in ownership in their recovery journey. Sure. So why don't you describe a little bit about what you do, you know, how when you're working with a patient, what, what, is that, what does that look like? Well, I, you know, it, it, when someone asks me, what is it that you do? Uh, I say that I help my clients become exceptional patients. Anyone familiar with the uh, brilliant um, Bernie Siegel and his book, mm-hmm. Love, Miracle and Medicine, mm-hmm. great yes. on call but Bernie Siegel will recognize this term uh, in a a nutshell, if you will. Exceptional patients mean um, that I help them become more resilient. I help them strengthen their body's innate capacity, if you will, to defend against and recover from cancer. And we go, we we can go uh, into great more details of how it's done, but this is if someone wants to know what it is that they can get out of this work is they can become one of those exceptional patients who are better positioned for healing and recovery, who are better able to benefit from medicine and treatment and cultivate this mindset that uh, uh, can can appreciate a uh, a better outcome, a more favorable outcome due to treatment. That's that's wonderful. And, you know, when I was diagnosed the first time, that was one of the first books that somebody gave me was that Bernie Siegel book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. And it, and I, I liked the way he described himself as that really kind of bad patient. <laughs> so, yeah. I think there's probably yeah. a lot of truth to that, you know. Um, but it was that was a really helpful book, and I appreciate that. Helping my clients become exceptional patients, that's that's great. Um, so you work, do you work? Mostly with cancer patients, or yes, is it I kind of a variety? With cancer patients, although this kind of work, um, any autoimmune disease, well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any patient with um, any autoimmune disease can benefit from that because the primary goal is immune enhancement, and there is um, it's evidence based. In other words, there's a body of research behind it, and that's another um, discovery that always fascinates me that most oncologists and medical providers uh, are not familiar. We think of doctors as um, all-knowing, that they yes. have all the information mm-hmm. at, at hand, or, yeah. uh, you know, they've, they've worked really hard to get where they are. And so, at least in my mind, uh, how can they not know about this field of scientific study? It's part of the work. But most doctors and providers are not familiar with a scientific uh, field of study called psychoneuroimmunology. It's not uh, anything new. It, it's a, a field of study that has been with us since 1975, uh, was born out of the University of Rochester in New York. And basically, it's a field of scientific study that investigates um, 
the interaction, if you will, between psychological processes, primarily stress, and the nervous and immune system of the human body. Mm-hmm. And the very premise of my work is that there are certain states of mind that, um, or that the immune, first of all, that the, the first premise is that the body's immune system is really designed to defend against all illnesses, right? And cancer included. The second premise is that harmful state of mind, mainly stress or helplessness or hopelessness, suppress the functioning of the immune system, thus making us more vulnerable to carcinogenics and disease agents. And the third premise is that if we can reverse those states of mind, uh, if they can be addressed and resolved, then the immune system can perk up and be revived and, uh, and then more readily do what it's designed to do, which is to engage in the elimination of cancer cells. Absolutely. That sounds so logical, and you make it sound so simple and basic, and it it probably is more than what we are experiencing in our normal lives. Let me ask you, how did you get into this work? What inspired you? Mm. So so now (laughs) we take a journey back in time. Uh, As I mentioned, I grew up in Israel, and... um, I'm kind of going to give up my age, so to speak, but when I was six years old, the 1973 uh, war broke out in um, in Israel with the neighboring Arab countries. And as a six years old, I didn't understand anything um, of, of, of what's going on. I just remember um, specific moments and uh, the ambient of that time. And I remember we lived in a small community and, we um, oftentimes went down with the women to the gate of the community to wait for the men who returned from, uh, from war. And some did and some did not. And um, mm. I remember very vividly uh, meeting, facing sorrow and, and, and uh, the tragic nature of, 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 of loss uh, it, it full force in those moments in times. I remember women breaking down, mothers uh, breaking down because their either son or husband did not return, and 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 it just the, the look in their eyes, the, the loss, the sorrow, the the devastation. Um, mm-hmm. It it really impacted me, and I felt the need to reach out and soothe, even back then. But um, fast forward many years later. Um, I underwent my uh, education in Israel, and I, m- the internship process that I went through engaged with two unique groups of people with a unique set of emotional needs. One of them was uh, Holocaust survivors, um, and the other was terminal cancer patients. And I was uh, uh, something at my core. I mean, I, I recognized the look in the eyes of those um, terminal cancer patients worked with, they had the same exact look uh, that, that those women had all those years ago um, mm. when they lost such a big part of their life. And with any health crisis, but certainly with cancer, there's tremendous amount, amount of loss. There's loss of identity for the most part because until that moment in time when you heard these three words, you have cancer, You've been someone's yeah. father, mother, son or daughter. You had hopes, you had dreams. But when you hear these words for the first time, it's, 
your world is turning upside down, as you well know, and yeah. you become a cancer patient. Your identity yeah. change, your ability to be productive, um, uh, independent. Uh, there's so much change is happening. There's so much loss um, embedded in that, that moment of diagnosis that um, it, it just resonated in much the same way, like the loss of those women all those years ago. And I knew right away that... Um, uh, the, the, this is kind of where I belong. This is where I can be uh, most effective, and um, and that's a long story of what inspired me. Well, that's amazing. You know, we we had lunch with somebody yesterday that I think the whole reason she wanted us to help get together and have lunch was to sh- to tell us she's back. And now, mind you, she was diagnosed in 2009, and it's 2018. She was a young woman, and cancer took her to her knees. She had a three-year-old at the time, and we were sitting with her at that lunch, and she was like, I'm back. I'm top of my sales. I'm top here. I'm doing it. And that's where she was when she was originally diagnosed. So you're right. It takes so long sometimes to really get back to what you've lost when you've gone through cancer. So it's, yep. it is a big deal. That's for sure. So we are going to actually go out to break now um, because we've got a lot more to cover and we don't have time to get started on it. We'll just pick it up on the other side. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about the role of our subconscious mind and our overall healing with our guest, Avinam Lerner. And so let's just talk a little bit about um, the whole mind-body connection and why it's so important for people facing cancer. Can you kind of give us a, a little bit of a rundown on that? Sure. And, you know, it may sound fundamental to uh, us and, and probably to your listeners, but there's really more to us than just our flesh, right? We are right. multidimensional beings and, and, and therefore treating only part of ourselves, just the physical body or just one dimension, because we do have the physical dimension, absolutely. Uh, that's the visible, tangible and then we have the emotional, and then we have uh, the mental, even the spiritual. So treating illness only on the level of the body, we kind of leave out uh, all these other dimensions untreated. And uh, unfortunately, very often, um, you know, I can go back to my belief that illness is really a call to action and um, a call for us to begin more, to live more authentically and more aligned with our true core values. Um, and, and so if we do not pay attention, if we can't hear the message, the mind, the subconscious mind will use every mean uh, in its disposal, to, in its disposal to, to really broadcast that message to us again. And I can ask you very quickly, um, you know, when was the last time you ever thought about your internal organs, like your spleen or your, your bladder? We, we don't really think about those parts of ourselves, right? They're enclosed inside of our physical body. We don't right. think about these parts unless they malfunction, unless there is pain. Mm-hmm. And I would clearly say that physical symptoms are the tangible evidence of what really goes on in our mind, many our subconscious mind, and how we are really feeling deep inside. And when we begin to understand, to, to, just to embrace that message, we will see that our emotions play a crucial role in ensuring that our deepest needs are met. If they are ignored, our subconscious mind uh, will find a way to get its message across um, that we're really not taking good care of ourselves. When we talk about emotions, and this is, uh, I think, uh, it's a helpful analogy. You know, when when we drive a car, there is a dashboard with all kind of gauges and lights, but tell us how the car is doing. Emotions are very much like that, like those gauges on our dashboard. They let us know how we are functioning. And when you have a physical crisis in the body, when you break a bone, it's visible. You can see it. it it's really right there. When you get a cut, it's really right there. But what about our internal wounds, our mental wounds, emotional wounds? And how do we ever pay attention? There's no extra machine that will show us trauma and so forth. So the mind is utilizing the body as a display for those things that need be taken care of inside. In my book, The New Cancer Paradigm, there's uh, really very valuable illustrations that will kind of drive that, that message home. But people can see it very 
very uh, clearly uh, kind of why we need to address illness on all its levels as a multidimensional event, as a whole person event rather than a local failure of a particular organ within the body. Right. So how does your treatment differ from alternative or complementary medicine? It is very, very different. Uh, The first difference I would say is, um, in fact, I would call my work uh, more closely related to traditional medicine, mainly because of the uh, significant amount of research that is valuable to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, part of what defines modern medicine or mainstream medicine, conventional medicine, is the amount of research that you have to back up what you're uh, stating. And um, working through the mind, uh, there's tremendous amount of work that has been done by researchers that are studying uh, the immunotherapeutic effect of, uh, of the mind. In other words, how to increase the efficacy of the immune system engaging the mind. And there's a great deal, or a big body of evidence to support that. So that would be the first difference. The other difference I would say that most of the, uh, first of all, I really, you know, the word alternative is in opposition, right? Right away it's in opposition. And again, um, uh, before the break, I talked about being a multidimensional event or multidimensional experience. And we, we are talking about an inclusive paradigm versus uh, kind of exclude one. It's not just one treatment is the whole, and I really do believe that when practices are integrated, there is a greater benefit to to the uh, to the patient. But, Absolutely, uh, I would also say that it is just most of the alternative medicines out there um, engage the body as the point of access. I do not work with the physical body per se. I engage the mind. It's a different access point to. Mm-hmm. Uh, influence the internal environment within the body. Okay, just so I don't um, uh, get confused. So, so how does the treatment differ from like psychotherapy or other, fo- you know, treatments that are focusing on the psychological realm? Sure. So, first of all, the main goal of our practices is very different. When you talk about psychotherapy, you mainly talk about uh, personal growth, uh, behavioral changes, and so forth. When we talk about my work, you know, I gave it the title Immersive Healing, but the title really doesn't matter. This kind of work, the goal, the primary goal is recovery, is healing and recovery. So the goal of these practices are very different. Even more than that, my work primarily engages the part of the mind we call the subconscious mind, while psychotherapy primarily engages the conscious mind, which is the part of your mind that is listening to me right now and kind of analyzing and critiquing uh, everything that I'm saying. Even more than that, when you work in in the realm of subconscious mind, changes are happening in real time. Uh, There is an element of revivification, if you will, of the experience and um, a level of authenticity that stems from reliving your inner experience. In, in psychotherapy, for the most part, you're talking about your life. You're observing as well as participating. My work, it's uh, completely, you're completely immersed in your own story. And last mm-hmm. but not least, I think it's very important, 
my work is not a substitute to psychotherapy. My work is a short-term and goal-oriented approach to healing and recovery, where psychotherapy is really a, a long-term process that is designed to take some time, even years, because of uh, the end result. Fascinating. Growth and insight. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a quick question? Um, so what I'm hearing you when you're talking about the subconscious, sometimes to get into that place is really challenging. Do you incorporate techniques like hypnosis and things like that to get to that place, or is it done through some other means? Uh, absolutely. Hypnotherapy is really the therapeutic vehicle, uh, the key into the door of the subconscious mind. Um, you know, I would say that... Um, one of the pivotal understanding of the mind-body medicine is that you really have to, you really have to believe, um, you know, in, in, in the efficacy of your uh, process or the treatment in order for the process or treatment to be effective. That's why hypnotherapy is really just a very powerful uh, tool. He, hypnosis is really... Uh, a heightened state of belief. It's a state of focused attention uh, that allow you to bypass the critiquing faculty of, of the conscious mind and to, to engage that place which we call uh, the subconscious mind. It's, it's, it's really... Um, uh, but it, it's imp- it might be helpful for listeners to understand that hypnosis is really just like a key in the door. So it's a tool, it's part of the process. Much like okay. a surgeon uses scalpel to uh, enter the body or to cut open the body, uh, but you won't say that the scalpel defines what the surgeon is doing because this is called surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many different tools that are used. Hypnotherapy in this way allow us to very quickly engage that part of, of the mind we call the subconscious mind, which it may be helpful for people to understand that, I mean, why do we even want to engage the subconscious mind? We want to do that because it's the part of the mind that governs many, many bodily functions, including our body temperature, our breathing, our digestion. These are processes that we don't consciously participate or take part in. It's happening uh, in the background. And the subconscious mind is also the part of the mind that influence the, uh, the immune system, the functioning of the immune system, the immune response, if you will. So mm. by engaging that part, engaging the subconscious mind, we can intervene to some extent with the functioning of the immune system. Amazing. That's so fascinating. When, I, when I think of uh, my subconscious, I think of like I'm driving somewhere and then I go, oh, I don't even remember driving here. You know, it's like you're you're you've done something so many times you you have these habits in place. So how would you like connect that to a cancer or or a recovery kind of situation? That's a, a very good question. And and. We talk about, uh, when we talk about subconscious mind, we talk about, you talked about habits. Habits are, obviously, when you rehearse something time and time again, it becomes like second nature, right? Right, right. So when we talk about cancer and we want to change the information, the code that is in the subconscious mind, we have to, there are certain points of engagement that we address. One of them is 
perception and the other one is belief. If you remember when we started, I defined this scientific field of study called psychoneuroimmunology as the uh, study of the interaction between certain psychological states and the immune function. The primary state that we investigate is stress. And stress, of course, may mean different things to different people, but we stress out for two main reasons. One, we perceive a situation to be dangerous, difficult, or painful. Mm-hmm. And the other, so the word is perception. And the second part is we do not believe that we have the inner resources to cope. Two very important factors that together produce stress, which in turn diminish uh, immune function. So if we can engage like in, in, in reverse or change or uh, augment our perceptions and our beliefs, then we will reverse those. So if we, for example, on a practical level, uh, I can tell you that many of my clients on, on some level do not believe that they are worthy of healing and recovery. It may surprise you, but when you kind of go beyond the conscious reality, what's, what's beneath? What is the underlying uh, context? And you would find that many of us have learned over the years, every time a finger was in our, you know, kind of swinged, you shouldn't have done that, and that finger is, is right in front of us. We have learned that we have been uh, bad in many ways, that we deserve punishment. And, and so, of course, it, it, it's not always the case, but for the most part, this seed that is planted of I'm not good has turned into, kind of blossomed into a whole belief system of I'm not worthy. And mm-hmm. um, it's not that it's everywhere. I'm not worthy of success. I'm not worthy of relationships. I'm not worthy oh. of and recovery. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know I do a lot of that kind of work with uh, with the uh, life coaching that I do. And that's kind of all what that's about and trying to figure out how to how to break that down. So this is fascinating to me. I, I love this. And and I don't I totally believe that the, the stress is a piece of this whole cancer thing that we haven't really talked about nearly enough. And so it makes perfectly good sense. But I love what you said that it's the the um, like awareness or I'm not sure your exact words, but uh, that you don't have the tools, you don't have the ability to cope with that stress. That being kind of the thing that puts you over the edge, it sounds like. So that's that's an interesting concept. It is, and, and you know. Before- just to point out that this kind of stress caused tremendous amount of suffering, and suffering. Mm-hmm. There's a a really uh, wonderful uh, doctor up in Canada. Called uh, his name is Dr. Alistair Cunningham of the Ontario Cancer Institute, and he once said that suffering is a mental reaction to events perceived as, want, as unwanted, and much of the suffering cancer causes comes from reflecting on the diagnosis and what it implies rather than directly from the disease itself. And cancer is thus uh, an existential crisis, not simply a physical problem. Mm-hmm. Um, he continued and said that, you know, there are two main ways, obviously, to relieve suffering. One is to remove the event, and don't we, want, don't we all wish that we could have just kind of have been done with that, with, with cancer, mm. just remove that, right? 
Uh, right. But if we can do that just right away, then we can change our mental reaction to the event. And that's exactly why we need to go deep into that realm of the subconscious mind because what we believe about treatment, treatment outcome, ourselves and, and our ability to benefit from treatment is a crucial part of our ability to heal and recover, uh, to be resilient, and um, to bounce back. Right, right. This is and so I, great. I, and I, Sharon, can I ask a question real quick? Course, I'm sorry, because we're, we're going to go out to break here in a minute. But before we do, I just wanted to ask something that's kind of, I guess it's sort of the elephant in the room, so to speak. Um, there are a lot of people who don't believe in hypnosis. They believe they can't be hypnotized. And I think a lot of that probably comes from these entertainment hypnotists, ones that bring you up on stage and make you do stupid things. Um, (laughs) I know this is way different than that. Um, Can everyone work with this or are there truly people who cannot be? And is it is it a willingness in a frame of mind in order to be willing to go that deep? How can you kind of separate the uh, fact from the fiction and the entertainment from the therapy side of <laughs> Absolutely. this? Absolutely. That's a great, uh, there are great two question. very different things. And, I, uh, and just to answer, yes, someone really wants, to, uh, someone needs to want to do this work uh, out of recognition that this is uh, just aligned with our own desire to heal and recover. Uh, this is not about doing someone, something to someone uh, against their uh, their, their desire, right? I mean, it's, it's just a, a built-in component. There is a great difference between therapeutic application of hypno, hypnotherapy and the entertainment field. Um, I'm not a big fan of the entertainment field, but uh, but that's you know, anyone can benefit from hypnotherapy, mainly if they are in uh, sound mind. They absolutely can because we have an active mind and a reactive body. And when we learn how to intentionally engage with these uh, biological processes, you know, I mean, we talk about mind-body. People know, listeners, your listeners know very clearly that there is an intimate relationship, mainly because when they feel sad, feeling of sadness can turn into physical tears. When they feel down or depressed, it expresses itself as uh, uh, fatigue in many ways. I think people understand the relationship. What hypnosis allows us to do is to intentionally activate, if you will. Uh, hypnotherapy, I, I'd like to say that, you know, it's the, it's the uh, intentional activation of the placebo effect. Um, and it's just that anyone can benefit from it and anyone can really get the most out of it, I would say. It's wonderful. Well, on that note, we are going to go out to break. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a, in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel 
every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about the role of of the subconscious mind in our overall healing with our guest, Avinan Lerner. And I think this has been fabulous. So who is your ideal client for something like this? Is it um, someone like Becky? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I would say that, um, you know, using kind of a personality types, I would say that it's a type A personality. Um, you know, people who wish to be more proactive um, in their healing and care, and um, uh, they don't like to sit idle, you know, so, or, or kind of leave their faith in the hands of, of others. Mostly, it is those people who understand that science and medicine is not written and done story. They, they don't have all the details, and that we have ownership and responsibility of our own experience. So I would say that it's it really someone who's motivated in, in taking part uh, in their own journey. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. That, that probably would be me. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the only yeah. reason I picked on you is because you're a four-time survivor. So yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe there's something more there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you a quick question. I asked you during the break, and I know that this is not a a, a therapy that's covered by insurance is that that's correct that's correct okay and so what what would an average session for something like this normally cost could you have a range and how many sessions do most people do i'm just trying to get a sense of the affordability and for anybody who might be listening to this including me (laughs) so first of all first of all the the uh, it's important to understand i don't do individual sessions I really mm-hmm. do believe um, that um, cancer is a serious health crisis. To and, and this kind of work has to be deep and has to be intense and has to be demanding in order to be effective. So I don't usually work with 
kind of individual sessions. What I do is offer uh, or ask people to keep in mind a certain package in mind of, of 10 sessions. Each of my sessions is an hour and a half long. But what I've done, so altogether we will work for 15 hours. But what I've done is divided uh, these 15 hours into two segments. The first segment is what I call the breakthrough day. And the breakthrough day is seven and a half hours where we work from nine to almost uh, 4.30 or 5 in the afternoon. And we cover a great deal of mental, emotional ground uh, that is absolutely necessary. So this will be the first thing that people need to keep in mind. Okay. Okay. I'm jotting notes as you're speaking. Okay. So that, that that's a pretty intense first day, and then and then the other nine days. Then are they? Tell us about that. Well, it's it's another um, five sessions of an hour and a half each. So okay. the first seven and a half really allow people who are not located in Boston to fly in in the morning and do the work, and then fly back home in the afternoon. As such, there is little disruption to their daily life. They can continue and maintain their routine, and uh, it's just incredibly effective in building momentum. If they are local, then we will continue the remaining sessions. We usually kind of do back-to-back, so it's a three-hour session, three-hour session, and an hour-and-a-half session. We will do them in the office. When people are uh, living out of Boston, then what we do, we work for an hour-and-a-half at, at every week, so online, and um, I don't usually work over the phone. I do it online via Skype or any of the other um, mediums that are available, platforms. And there is this, so it's all very structured and very methodical. Um, we have research from the field of positive psychology that suggests that when you undergo an intense experience like a weekend retreat or a workshop of such, uh, there is a change in attitude that is occurring. But what we need in order to sustain this change is also change in behavior. So Mm -hmm. the breakthrough day is the change in attitude and the remaining sessions are change of behavior. So we introduce certain um, uh, pieces of the work that will allow you to then uh, build on the momentum that we worked before. Mm. Does that wow. answer the yeah, question? Yeah, it does. And that is, it's very intense, as I can see. And uh, yep. But, you know, you, when you get that focused on something, you're going to go deep with it. So, so yeah, that, so that's kind of the normal treatment course that you offer to people. So whether they're in your office or on Skype, this can work. Either you know, either way, it sounds like so. That's well, the that's pretty. Cool. It has to happen in office. And, oh, it does. Okay. Uh, and that's why it's designed so that it's in in one day. The breakthrough day has okay. to happen in office. Again, I, I I think when we deal with a health crisis such as cancer, there's really um, there's no time to play. There's no time to lose. Time is of the essence, and we have mm-hmm. to take it. Um, you know, as far as we can. And, and that's mm-hmm. why it's so um, demanding. But because it's so demanding, yeah. you get the benefits. 
That makes sense. I can I can see that. You know, just real quick, because I don't want to run out of time on, on this. This is our last segment, and it's unfortunately the shortest one. But can you talk to us about hope? And, you know, there's real hope and there's false hope. And how do we, I mean, I, you're, it sounds like you're offering hope to people by doing this. How do we know the difference between real hope and false hope? Can you, can you speak to that for a minute? Because I think there's a lot of nonsense. Thank you for asking about that because this is an important, an important question. So false hope exists only when you provide false guarantees. Anyone who's telling you these are the results will absolutely get them. This is, is selling you something. And um, realistic hope is hope that says we're going to shoot for the stars and we take what we get because we understand that it's a little more complex. And so realistic hope, you know, you get a sense uh, and it resonates in a certain way that makes you feel, okay, um, I I get it. If anyone is selling you an outcome, um, then, then it is likely false hope. And that was the main complaint from uh, doctors throughout the years that I worked with. And, you know, they were concerned that we're selling something. And I repeated it time and time again. False hope can only exist where you provide false guarantees. And we make none. And by the way, doctors make none. We can use the best medical tools available to us today. And um, that's all we all we can do. Exactly. That is such a simple. Simple explanation, and it makes so much sense. You know, you see all these diet ads on TV. They guarantee you're going to lose X number of pounds, but in the fine print, it says, you know. Yeah, exactly. So you have to read the fine print to get there. Uh Yeah. So that's a really great explanation of that. And then I just have a couple other quick questions. Um, You said something in a prior um, thing that we communicated about, about the premise of being of two minds. Can you speak to what that means, please? Absolutely. They, they, the two minds refer to the fact that most of my clients come in and they say, look, I, I'm a positive person. I do all the right things. I eat all the right food. And yet the results, the evidence of illness is in their body. This refers to the idea that we can be of one mind consciously, on a conscious level, do what we think is appropriate and right based on our research. But beneath the surface, we can run a whole different program. And that program on a subconscious level is usually, and it's kind of a harsh way to explain it, but uh, it, it's a self-mutilation protocol. Mm. So while consciously we'll do all the right things, subconsciously we'll run this self-mutilation protocol. And self-mutilation protocol with cancer means the, cancer, the, the body turns on itself, so to speak. It's mm-hmm. kind of like so self-sabotage without really knowing it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say, too. Self-sabotaging. Without really knowing that you're doing that, it. That's correct. Yeah. And, and if yeah. you dive deep into what, what it means to uh, engage in behavior that will prevent you from getting benefits, then you will dial down into self-worth and value. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then you will dial, dial down to the beliefs that feed these kind of behaviors, and you have to resolve the problem... Look, if you have a screw in the wall, you can take sledgehammer, you can use all kinds of tools. But if you have a, 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 and you'll probably destroy the wall before you even get to that screw. But <laughs> when you have a screwdriver, it's one, two, three. I believe that this kind of work is truly designed to 
uh, alleviate this kind of or, or bring about this kind of uh, result. And, you know, if you broke your arm, you're not going to go to the uh, psychotherapist's couch and talk about broken arm. You will go to the emergency room. When you have a health crisis, I believe this is a place to be and this is the work to do and not to necessarily go to the uh, counselor uh, couch and talk about it because it's a serious health crisis that require a different tool. Psychotherapy is a phenomenal tool, but as I said before, for personal growth and, and so forth, it's not designed by, by design. It's not geared toward engaging the immune function and making the body more resilient. Avi Noam, we have about 60 seconds left that I can give you. Um, so I, we're going to kind of skip the rest of the questions we had for you. I have one thing I wanted you. You've got a book out called, I think you said it's called The New Cancer Paradigm. How can people get a copy of that book if they're interested in that? And did I get the name people right? Can, yeah. People can visit my website, avinoamlelno.com, and they can see uh, this is one of books that are written. There are many audio programs that are designed specifically to uh, support cancer patients and caregivers. And there is my TEDx talk, which uh, is only 12 minutes long, which will explain uh, in greater detail what it is that I do. And the book is obviously available on Amazon, um, The New Cancer Paradigm, Mobilizing the Mind to Heal the Body. And Avi Noam is A-V-I-N-O-A-M. Learner, L-E-R-N-E-R.com. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, great. Well, we have enjoyed you on our show so much, and this you've really opened my eyes to a whole new therapy, one that I'd really never considered for myself, and I think I may rethink that. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, and for our listeners out there, just so you know, there's a couple things I want to, we always save the last minute for ourselves, but um, we also have a, a website, it's breastfriends.org, lots of great information. We'll be posting this, uh, this interview will be on our host page on Voice America in about an hour, so you can refer all your friends to listen to it because it's worthwhile, and we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.